Coach's Edge podcast dedicated to learning, sharing, and teaching the game. You're really going to enjoy this podcast. You're going to listen to somebody you've probably seen play before, Theo Tarver, played for Georgia Tech, played in the national title game in 2004 as they lost to the University of Connecticut. He's played with guys like Chris Bosch, Jarrett Jack, Luke Schencher, and a handful of other NBA players. He played on the Nike circuit in high school. He won a state championship in high school. He played nearly a decade of pro basketball around the world. He happened to be a teammate of mine playing overseas for two years. And he also has some great coaching experience internationally. We have a great conversation talking about the strengths and weaknesses as well as the similarities and differences of international basketball compared to basketball in the U.S. I know you guys are going to get a lot from it. Let's get to the podcast. Coach Theo Tarver, welcome to the podcast. I'm super excited about this one. You're the first uh, player slash coach that we've had on the podcast with the international experiences that you have. So I'm really excited about this because you provide a really unique kind of viewpoint being uh, an American-born player playing at a really high level uh, throughout high school and college, transitioning to playing basketball for nearly a decade overseas, uh, and then you've done some coaching over there as well. So I know there's going to be a lot of coaches that are listening that are going to be very interested to hear your take on different styles of basketball. It's a global game. Um, thank you, number one, for being on the podcast. Um, it's a pleasure. Yeah, yeah. I'm very happy to be here. Very excited. I'm very excited right now. <laughs> this is cool. This is cool. Um, go ahead and talk a little bit about kind of your, your background as a basketball player. Okay, um, so I come from northern Louisiana. Louisiana. Um, I played – really, I started playing when I was like maybe 12, 11, and I was really bad. But I was really tall, so I got on a lot of teams. Um, yeah, and, um, yeah, after two or three years, I hit the AAU circuit where I got exposure. I joined the Nike team in Louisiana at a young age. I think I was like 14. And it was a famous tournament in uh, New York, Rumble in the Bronx, right? And I think I played against, I think it was Mike Sweetney. Do you remember him? I know the name, yeah. And then that's when I was like, okay, Israel. <laughs> it, it was like a man playing against boys. And it was just, everything was fast paced. And then I started getting the rhythm. I was like, okay. And then the Nike Circuit is where I started seeing like Sean Mays and uh, Andre Iguodala's and Amari Stoudemire, everybody. And I was like, okay. So for my, I was lucky that I came from a small area where it wasn't that many people that was traveling around. AU wasn't that big, so I had to travel out of state, like an hour and a half away. But yeah, that was uh, that's when I started getting really excited about basketball. When I started seeing how much people took pride and how much people were pushing themselves to the limit, you know. So it was, yeah, that's pretty much where I start waking up and start saying, okay, I can really make something out of this. I have a good feel for it. Uh, it makes me more excited than anything I ever done at that, to that point in my life. So yeah, that's pretty much my beginnings of basketball. And then can you talk transition into a little bit of your, your college playing days, playing at Georgia Tech. You, you were one of the, the top conference in the country, the ACC. You're playing against the best players in, in the country for college basketball week in and week out. 
you guys make make it all the way to the national championship game in, um, I think it was 2004. Am I right, 2004? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so um, can you talk a little bit about that experience? The Nike circuit actually prepared me for college because um, just seeing those guys play at such a high-intensity, high level at a young age, I knew I had to prepare during the season. Like, okay, even though I'm in the high school season, I'm looking past the championship game. I'm looking past the playoffs. I'm looking like what I'm going to do because I, once I signed my letter of intent, it was, okay, Chris Bosh signed his letter of intent. I'm like, okay, competition. Not even paying attention that we had a seven-footer from Australia that was a year ahead of me. We had the ACC freshman of the year who was a power forward. And we had a six, a six, seven uh, junior who played with uh, Jason Richardson. And I was like, okay, I'm coming into this. Not being a young guy, you think, okay, I'm, go- I'm going to play. I'm better than everybody, right? I think I'm better than everybody. Then you get to practice. And my first week of practice, I had the coach was like, okay, where you at? But like, maybe you want to redshirt because we have so many bigs. Being a stubborn young kid, no, I'm not redshirting. Somebody else is going to have to read. I'm not ready to show you. First week of practice, we're doing one-on-one drills. I think I'm doing pretty well. I go against Chris Bosh. He jabbed, stepped into the middle. He took one step, one dribble to the right and dunked on me with his left hand because he's a lefty. Mm-hmm. I haven't got dunked on my whole high school career. <laughs> he dunked on me, and then I'm like, okay, he's a reality check. Then you get to have these more in-depth conversations with coaches who helps you understand, okay, we're not saying that you're a terrible person. We're not saying you're not a good basketball player. We're saying maybe if you wait this year, you can develop more. And we know Chris is one and done. You come in your, your sophomore year, your redshirt freshman year, and take over, right? But at that point, you're just going through so many emotions because you're young, you don't understand. Uh, you have people telling you, okay, this is right. You should do this. You should not do that. But in your mind, you're like, I know I'm the best. I know I'm better than what they think I am, right? So it ends up, for me, it kind of hurt me, but it, let, it opened my eyes up and matured me faster. Yeah, I started I think that's a great, great point. I think, you know, it's that fine line as a player or as a coach of, like, everybody has the ego, right? And yes, you can't, yes, yes. like, you're not going to be great at anything unless you've got some level of an ego. But mm-hmm. you also need to have, uh, a realistic view of like where you're at and, and how you can contribute. And mm-hmm. that was kind of your reality check playing for Georgia Tech with, yeah. I mean, how many NBA players did you play with during your time at Georgia Tech? Oh man. So we had Chris Bosch, we had Jared Jack, we had Will Bynum, we had Mario West, we had Luke Schencher, the, uh, the Australian guy, he played for Chicago uh right after college mm-hmm. um we had a bunch of high high profile players that played overseas some stacked some stacked teams that's, that's oh uh, man that's exciting some heck, heck of a practice so how did you transition from okay so it's like you, you're going through college okay you start to see all right well i'm not going to be an nba player but i can still play basketball for a living Mm-hmm. How did you transition from playing college basketball to then playing international basketball? It's very rarely that you see a player says, okay, I'm going straight to international, and it works out the way they want to. 
So um, actually, I wasn't even going to play international. It's just to pick up runs in Atlanta is so good. Every summer, I'm playing against Zach Randolph. I'm playing against uh, Josh Smith. I'm playing against Joe Johnson, Boris Diaw at the time. It's just a bunch of so much talent. And then all of a sudden, a guy comes, hey, man, you want to play overseas? And I was like, what? Like, you want to play, man? I was like, OK. Uh, a way to make more money. So I'm like, OK, it's tax-free money. I got an offer to Mexico. My first summer, it was an offer to Mexico. I went to Mexico. It was not what I expected. Uh, nothing against Mexico, it's just, uh, it just a culture shock for me. Going from here to here, it was just a big difference. Uh, it was tough for me to adjust to the style of play because they're more of a, it's more of a physical league. They, ACC is physical, don't get me wrong. ACC is very physical and you have to be mentally tough. When you approach the college atmosphere, you gotta have tough skin, you gotta be able to, to compete or push yourself at a high level. Right. Yeah, I mean, you're playing. You're playing in Cameron Indoor Stadium. Oh man! You know, the fans on top of you. You're playing at so, North Carolina. All these places. Yes. 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 And then the the craziest thing is, those are the games that you really can get up for because you know, I'm going to I'm going to do Coach K. No matter who he has, he's going to make something out of that game. You go to North Carolina. They're going to have. I think North Carolina always have more talent, but Duke always have a better chemistry almost every year mm-hmm. uh, well when I, when I was playing they had reddick and they had it was like okay you're going to shoot you're going to set a million screens for him to shoot so but like the toughest games will be like we play i think i played against a national champion every my every year of my college career yeah. my first year we played syracuse with mellow that was the toughest game i ever played in my life as far as college goes we lost my third. hold on hold on let's let's, let's stop this because coaches are going to be curious just just do we played against Carmelo, one yes. and done. Like yes. everybody knows who Carmelo Anthony is. Yes. Break down why that was like the toughest game you ever played. So this was early in the season, right? So this might be uh, the the third week in the season. So we get the and this is my first time ever meeting Carmelo. So I'm like, okay, he's a tough guard. I go up, he's the same height as me. I'm six. I'm six nine. And I'm like, okay. And he's looking almost eye to eye with Chris Bosch. So I'm like, okay, this is crazy. I, that was in the scout report. And then the coach says, yes, be careful. He's a, he's a bully. He's going to post you up. He's going to back you down. He's going to be physical with you. Okay, I'm prepared for that. We have warm-ups. This guy hits 10 out of 12 threes in a row. Go back into the locker room. Coach said, okay, scratch that. We're gonna have to, we're gonna have to guard this guy. Let's <laughs> cross that board, gonna have to be physical with him. And they had Jerry McNamara, who was killing that year. He was flame on. You had Melo, and you had Dwayne, who whose wingspan is like seven foot. And did they have Hakeem Ward too? Hakeem Ward. <laughs> they had uh, this seven foot one kid named Fourth. And they had a McNeil 6'10 from Texas. And it was, you know, the, the, the traditional 2-3. And we could not do anything with it. We would prepare for it all week, but we could not do anything with it. And that's like one of the, the checks where it's like, okay, this is, this is Syracuse. During the season, we have to play Duke and North Carolina. And uh, who else was uh, very t- Maryland. Maryland was very tough that year, my freshman. Mm-hmm. Maryland was very tough. All right? So... 
once you see that, you have to you have to you have to become a different animal. You have to just when you're lifting weights, you're thinking about that game. You're thinking about that week. You're thinking about practices. You're thinking about extra shots. You're thinking about whatever I can do to get myself ahead in the game. Because these are national televised games. Your family is watching these games. You do not want to get embarrassed <laughs> on these games. Yeah, so to prepare for those games was something different than you would I was used to. But like I said, I was step by step, I was getting better at better at focusing on the task at hand. That's awesome. That's awesome. Awesome stuff. Um, the preparation you got to have, I mean, there's no oh, games man. off. I mean, it's the preparation and then you're going all out and then prepare for yeah. the next game going all yeah. out. And also I'm sure you had to have a short-term memory because it's like, all right, we just played Carmelo and Syracuse. Oh now we got to flip the switch quick. Oh we got to prepare for Maryland or JJ Redick or whoever it is. You got to get over one thing to start preparing for the other. Right. And that's a, and another thing, and I tell, whenever I talk to a high school kid, I always say, you have to look at the game out from another perspective, not just your perspective. Because once you start playing, you start seeing, okay, I have a, a pamphlet to look at before this game. I have to know a couple of these main plays and these player tendencies. And if I come in the game and this guy like to split the pick and roll, and he split the pick and roll on me as a freshman, because I'm like, oh, you're not ready. Come here. You know, you don't have that many, especially I me. Mean, I ain't have no leeway. So when you look at the game, you can't just say, all right, my man's not going to score on me. You see how much it is a team sport. A team, especially if you got you got North Carolina, then you have Duke, then you have Maryland, then you have Wake Forest. One of the toughest teams to play at home is Florida State, no matter what year it is. It's something about that gym that sucks the life out of you. So you have these tough teams, and you say, okay, I have school also. I have tests. I have finals. So mentally, you have to say, okay, I can't do all this other crap. I have to really focus at this time. Look at this team. I have to focus, blah, blah, blah. You have to quiz your teammates. You have to talk and understand it in practice. When your coach asks you a question, you have to be like, yes. That is correct. You have to go around the screen this way. You have to chase him. You have to cage the screen. You have to give him on to get through the screen. You have to know all those different tendencies of players and teams. And in high school, you really you do that in some teams, but me, I really didn't do that that much. I just understood where to go and where to be at and was lucky enough to have the athleticism to get by. In college, you have to know all the tactics. Oh, you have to, you have to cut that step short. You're stepping too long. You know? So it was a couple of Big, big thing, especially your freshman year, that you have to really grab a hold to as fast as possible. That's great stuff. And time management for a college athlete is, oh, is yeah. key because, you know, in many ways, I mean, you're a, you're a full-time student. At the same time, you're a full-time athlete. There's no, there's no part-time either one of them, especially no, no. at the level. I no, mean, no. you're traveling around the country playing uh, high-level college basketball games, no yeah. doubt. Um, yes. so, so then you transition. You, you played in Mexico. Now I play, we played some exhibition games in Mexico when I was in college and mm -hmm. I didn't play even close to the level of college basketball you did, but I went to Mexico and shoot, we might even played against some of the same guys because it was a pro uh, group uh, and, and we traveled around from like four different cities and played mm -hmm. these guys. And so before I got food poisoning and Montezuma's revenge while I was down there, I had it also. Got to watch out for that. <laughs> I think you're going to die down there. Um, 
those games that we played against that team, I couldn't believe how physical the game was, how strong the athletes were. And the biggest adjustment for me, I'm not nearly, you know, I'm not a physically imposing player was just, just the rules were different. You know, like what was a hand check? What was uh, a blocking foul when I was playing in college? That was just good defense playing over there. That was the, the expectation, right? It wasn't that, oh, the ref missed the call. It's just, no, that's not a foul. Can you talk yeah. a little bit about that physicality difference? You have to be ready to uh, – so I played in I played in Singapore. I played in uh, Chile. I played in Mexico, and I played in Germany. So – and I played against guys from France, whatever. So you you would see – we played against a team from France. You will have to adjust to whatever it is, and you have to adjust quickly. You have to pay attention to whatever it is. So if you have a tournament and you're not playing first, it will be in your best interest to watch the game before. Right, because in Mexico, the hand check is a thing. It is normal to hand check. It is normal to grab. Unless they actually see you were getting fouled or hear it, they're not going to call it. Right. Um, and being an American playing on a Mexican team, you're 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 they want you to carry most of the load. They're like, okay, you might get fouled, but I need 30 points, 15 plus rebounds, six blocks minimum. <laughs> Right. And if you can't do that, maybe we can find somebody who can. Right. So uh, in Mexico, I think it's more like the culture. You know, mostly most most of the time, the culture dictates how the gameplay is. The more macho the culture is, the more physical the game is. Chile is more physical than Mexico. And we have to travel game by game on an airplane because Chile is long. So we go down by the Arctic Circle, I guess. Arctic, please don't quote me. And it's an island called Castro. It's freezing out there. The gym is freezing. On timeouts, you can see steam coming off our body. That's how cold it is. I got fouled one game. I got fouled so hard. I got slapped in the face on the foul. I didn't feel it until I shot my free throw. So that is how you have to. In Germany, you will never see that in Germany. They will never let the gym get that cold. You know, those kind of. those kind of situations, right? But there it was like, okay, that's how it is. All right, next game. You know, two, two, two games in a row in one weekend and the next game. You know, so you have to adjust to whatever culture it is. You have to understand it and respect the culture also. You know, that's one of the biggest things when I, when I tell guys about playing overseas. You respect the culture, you'll get more respect as a player. If you come in like, oh, um, American or I'm from England, we don't do that. No, you're in a different country. Respect the culture. That is one of the biggest things I can tell a guy that's coming overseas. You would appreciate it more. Yeah, I've been, I've always noticed that noticed that from you compared to other Americans in my experience overseas was, um, you know, you did a great job of kind of immersing yourself within the culture, being truly being one of the people instead of pretending like I'm an American, I'm getting paid to play basketball, you know, I'm above I'm above this. Like you were never you were never like that, which which I always really respected of you. How did you, so that's some of your uh, experiences in South America. Talk a little bit about some of your experiences playing basketball in Europe. So I know that's where you spent the majority of it and also where you've coached basketball yeah. over there. How was that transition? Um, did you, believe it or not, the transition, well, to Germany, specifically Germany, it was very, very, uh, the first year was rough because, like, again, I was young. So when I'm coming in from, 
I was in Atlanta for six years. Then I come over to to Germany, North Germany, where it's rainy and kind of cool. It's just a different experience because you don't know the language. Uh, you have to communicate with people. It's very difficult. It's, it was just a, it was a whole thing. But after like a couple of months, it's like okay. Respectfully, everything is about respect. So if I show respect, I will get respect. I will receive it back. So uh, just getting to know the players. That's one of the things I try to do every season. I'm like, okay, this is the group of guys I'm with. I'm going to try to get to know these guys, not just, all right, I see your practice, I see you, whatever. If you want to do something later, just just being a part of it. You want to play cards, you want to do whatever, that's what I like to do. You know, uh, being comfortable is not always necessary, but uh, people being comfortable being themselves around you, you get to actually see how they play. It'll happen faster. Right? If you If you're like, I'm this guy, I walk my chest out and I go away and I, I practice and I go away home and I come back to practice. Or you can say, yo, I can actually show my style and he will respect it. He's not going to look at me like, why are you doing this or, or talking bad about you? So I think being open and positive, especially when you first start off, is the best key to having a, a good season. It may not work out in your favor every time. Uh, we were lucky to it worked out in our favor the first season we had together. But most of the time, it's all about are the other teammates willing to receive it? But they're not going to receive it if you, can't get, if you don't give it to them, right? Um, right. Playing-wise, my first year athleticism really was like the thing. It was like, okay, I'm, I'm faster. I can jump higher than you. I'm taller than you. Um, I'm going to beat you right that way, right? And then the next year, you're like, okay, I have to improve my game a little bit. So I'm going to work on my this and work on that. Uh, my first year, a pro from a, a BBL, Bremerhop, told me, hey, man, basketball players in overseas, they get lazy because it's easy. It gets easy. In practice, you're playing against the same guy. You're beating the same guy in practice. As, as American, you're going to get your shots up. And the first year, you might have a great year. And then the next time, you're like, oh, it's going to be easy. And then you just relax. Then it's a new a new kid coming in, like, okay, I don't know, but I'm going to kill him too. I'm going to try to kill everybody that I play against. So being late, get, getting lazy because it's it's easy is is very uh common, commonplace. No, that's People interesting. It's so interesting that that you say that because I totally know what you're talking about. And in so many ways, I can't relate to what you're saying. <laughs> Be, yeah. Because yeah. I'm sick, I was six two, I wasn't that strong, I wasn't yes, that, yes, that yes, fast. Yes. And so I was never like there was never the thought of like I got this. Yeah. <laughs> like yeah. I was I was like felt like I was trying to catch up the whole time mm -hmm. uh, to you guys. But I mean, you're you're six nine. You got like a seven five wingspan, right? Mm -hmm. You came from playing in in the ACC, uh, and so I can absolutely absolutely see that. Especially this kind of leads into my next question because of kind of the style of, of international play and mm -hmm. the the fact that the game overseas I felt like is very shooting and, and ball handling oriented. So like if if you're uh the American on the team, the the European player that you're probably going up against practice, he's probably like six ten and can really shoot threes, mm -hmm. but he may not be able to guard you at all in the yes. post. And he yes. can't run with you and he can't jump with you. So there's yes. a big difference between your roles on the team mm -hmm. and, and your, your strengths and weaknesses uh, as, as a player. 
how do you kind of compare and contrast the international style of play to the style of play in the United States? First of all, you have more sources to get input from, right? You have, if you have a coach from Eastern Europe, he's going to get uh, information from the coach from France and Italy and Le uh, Luxembourg and wherever. So the, the uh, and it's open, right? You go to, uh, you can go to coaching clinics in America, right? But you go to a coaching clinic here, you would have coaches from America, coaches from Australia, coaches from all over the world coming in. Even NBA coaches, Greg Popovich come over sometime. You have uh, Dan Tony come over sometime. So you have such a, a wider base of, of uh, information, right? Uh, in America, I would say, so like I said, when I came over, I was about athleticism, right? I was like, okay, I know how I can beat you, and I'm going to do that, continue to do that. And then you get older, and you say, okay, I can't jump like I used to. I can't run as fast as I used to. And these young cats are beating me up and down the court. Now I got to use my technique. But if you're not polishing those skills along the way, then you're going to fall behind. So when you see, uh, for instance, I, I go to, if I go to a coaching clinic, right, for youth in, let's say, 9 to 12 in Germany, they're going to teach you the basics, right? They're going to teach you, okay, these are the basic moves. This is how you get to here to here, right? And they have so, many, so much information to pull from. They can actually look at a player and say, okay, you'll be better doing this one. The Euro step is better for you. Off two feet is better for you, right? And you come to America and you have the same thing, but the talent pool is so much higher that kids can get away with not even learning that. You know what I mean? Like you're so, if you're so athletic that I could jump off one step and get as high as I jump off two steps, then your, your whole life you're like, okay, I'm, going, I'm up here, I'm above the rim. Boom, I'm dunking on people. And then you get older and it's like, okay, now I have to work on other things. Well, over here, they start those things, those processes way earlier from, from what I've seen. Mm -hmm. So I, I can see a kid like, uh, we had one kid in FCK, in Kaiserslam, and he was just, he had good footwork. And then he hit a growth spurt. And then his footwork looked even better because he was athletic and faster with it. So that's one of the, one of the differences I see is the development of the players is way different. It could oh, be totally that's the same thing that I've, I've said to a lot of, because uh, you know, I started doing some training and some coaching when I was still playing uh, overseas when you, when you were there as well. Mm -hmm. And coming back from, like when you're playing overseas, you're literally getting coaches from, like the one year our, our coaches from Croatia. You know, mm -hmm. you get, you're getting, and, and then all these coaches know each other and they're all from all these different countries. So you're just getting this, this really wide range of coaching styles, coaching philosophies yes. and then being able to kind of melt that down put it together and be able to teach different players different skill sets that are really going to benefit them mm -hmm. and what I always say is I mean teaching and having my own job is player development and doing that for for a living mm -hmm. a lot of what I'm teaching players back in the states because of all the details that I learned overseas mm -hmm. where like just being very specific like the coach that we played for that we were teammates for, for those two years Nanad like when we were doing the guard work and we were working on a move like he was like no 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 that foot's in the wrong spot like you want to go here and turn here and this is why that's going to work in this situation and I was like wow I played for some some really good coaches but he was super specific he broke it down and 
I mean, you know, for sure, like that first year that I played for him compared to the second year that I played mm. for him, like I got so much better. Yeah. For him. yeah. And that was a big reason why yeah. he did that. Cause he was super, super detail oriented. And I got to say this, I got to say this too. Uh, during that first season, you, you dramatically got more comfortable. I would say, Yeah. right. You got more comfortable. You can actually see like, okay, we were, we was ready. Like, okay. For Steven again, like we were ready for you to get in the game. We had great players. We had great guards that year, but we, it was like, it was no back off. It was no lacking as soon as you got in the game. And they go, there's a testament to you as far as working hard. Like you just said, you 6'2", you wasn't gifted with all those things, but you kept working hard throughout the season. It was no easy practices with us, right? right. We was very competitive in practice. No matter which team was which, we was very competitive. So it was no backing down. You know what I mean? It's, it's, you felt it. Like, you were like, okay, I see that. I'm going to work on that. This is a play. I'm going to work on that. This is how we guard the play. I'm going to work on beating him to this spot and getting my shot off. I'm going to work on making him work in the post to get that position. Yeah. So yeah. it won't be easy in the game, right? So that's yeah. what I think was one of the biggest thing about that season. Yeah, and I think that's a great message to all the other coaches that are listening were, like, that was a really successful team. We had a lot of great players on that team. Um, but because we had great players didn't mean we didn't practice hard. We, mm -hmm. we, we got yeah. like every, every day that you were putting your shoes on for practice, like it's going to yes. be on today. Like we're, we're getting yeah. after each other today and there might be yeah. arguments and who knows what, what's going on. But when yes. you're coming to practice, strap them up. Like we're going to yeah. get after it for however long this, this practice is. And you know, that, that's how any good team needs to approach their practices if they want to get better. I mean, you got to take it seriously. You got to strap them up and, and get after it. Yeah. Uh, what are some of the other positives or negatives that you see in, in the European game or the American game? Um, I would say skill work. I would say skill work. So when I, what I mean by that is what you mean with, with Nino paying attention to the detail. Um, when I run camps, I used to run it American style. So it was just, we run the camps, uh, this, this, this station or traditional, not like now, but traditional where you have this station, this station, this station does that. And then I started talking and conversating with the community, the coaching community is like, how can I get better at that? What can I do to, to make him have uh, more balance on his shot or give him more balance in the post? And I'm like, okay. So I'm like, you, it, it, everything is not a highlight tape. Some of the best players over here don't have that many highlights. They get to the bucket, they have a scoop shot that you can't stop, but they're comfortable making that step, making those steps, and they go full speed, right? You might have a, okay, we're going to shoot for 10 minutes, but after this 10 minutes, you're going to go full speed in every drill, right? Every time, every time. So I had to learn, like, I had to relearn footwork for the guards because I'm a big, I'm like, okay, I have to learn. If I'm going to coach them, and tell this guard what I want him to do. I have to understand how I want his foot to be, where I want his feet to be, where I want him to get a shot. And I got to make him comfortable with that shot. So every day in practice, if I have time, so come over here. And I, I tell his teammate, hey, can you help him with this too? You need to learn this too. And also, so in the game, when I'm paying attention to a million other things, and he comes to the bench, his teammate can say, hey, your foot was not like you always shoot it. You always shoot it this way. Now you shoot another way. So I think it, these kids are really willing because you don't have that much star power. You might have two, three superstars on the team as, as, as for the youth team. 
So every other kid's like, hey, they're buying into saying, hey, you can keep doing this. We got your back. I'm going to set the hardest screen I can. I'm going to dive as hard as I can. And it's not just two people. It's the whole team buying into it. Yep. So sometimes, I mean, in, in, in the States, it's because, and it's the culture also, right? It's a different, whole different culture. So it's like kill or be killed. Like I have to be the best. You a shooter, I'm a shooter too, so I have to be a better shooter than you, right? And sometimes it's healthy. I'm going to be more competitive, so I'm going to get more shots up than you today. And sometimes it can be detrimental to the team as far as, man, I'm, and it happened both sides. It happened to Jeremy too, but it's like, man, I'm just going to go over here and, you know, you do your thing, I do my thing. So I think team teamwork is really pushed over here. And you can see it in the way the guys play. Yeah. Like team. Yeah. No, I definitely, I definitely see what you're kind of where you're coming from, what you're saying. I think that, you know, there may be a little bit more um, individual push among mm-hmm. players in the U.S. to try to mm-hmm. rise above, which, as yeah. you mentioned, from the competitive standpoint is good. Like you want to be the best that, that you can possibly be. Uh, I think that internationally, it seems like although every kid also wants to be as good as they can be, that competitiveness is more so as a group, like as a team, yeah. how good can, 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 can we be? Um, and yeah. it's all regional and specific, specific again. Yeah. Can you elaborate now on how you transitioned from being a player, playing pro basketball for nearly a decade, to then mm-hmm. becoming a coach? I know from firsthand experience, that is not an easy transition. Oh man, it's, it was it was a it was a transition. That's the correct term. Um, well, my first year I coached uh, a lower league team, lower league team, so it wasn't uh, it was easier to coach those guys because they're like, okay, they understand, they want to be. Oh, show us! It's easier to show because there's some there's a lot of things they don't know. So you're showing the basic and, and push them in practice and energy and no, those things are important. You know, and keeping positive. You know, it was a long season. And when you coach in a lower league team, they have jobs, they have families, they have all kind of factors outside of basketball. And then they're making extra time to come to play for you. Like, even now, I still tell the guys, I know it's hard to go at work all day, listen to your boss tell you what to do, then come to practice, and then listen to me tell you what to do. (laughs) It's very difficult to do as a man. Right, because I only coach men. Uh, I've had cancer kids by coach men, so I try to make it as um, realistic as possible. Right, I say, okay, you don't have time, but I have to push this guy this day, this week. Right, so when you're ready, just let me know. Right, you have to be more understanding. You know? uh, the first two years I coached a uh, lower league team. The next year I coached a uh, Rigo One team, which is uh, fourth league in Germany, but it's pretty high. Uh, pretty good competition, really good coaches. Um, and the way that I break that down for those that are listening would be like Rigo One. There's there's some players on the those teams that would be what you would call pros, meaning they might be an American, but that's all they have to do is they got an apartment, they got a car, they're getting paid, but it's not a full roster. So you have guys that are what you call pros. Then you might have guys that are like getting paid a little bit of money, but it's like not enough to, you know, live off of or pay the bills. And then you also have guys that are are on the team because they're good enough to play. They like basketball, but they're not at the level that they're Mm going to get money from. And so when you think about it, it sounds 
kind of crazy. Like that's a crazy yeah. dynamic that yeah. you have to work through and it makes it really challenging as a coach. To, to touch on what you just said also is um, when you, so you will have, and you also have in that mix guys that used to be very good that are not at that level anymore, right? So they still have the eagles of the guy that were, they were used to be and they coming down to the level. And then you're mixing them in with young kids trying to push past that, right? So the combination is crazy. It's very, it's very, every coach I ever talked to, no matter what, if it's the national league, co- the national coach, if it's a, a coach in a BBL, whatever, they always say, Rigo one is the toughest league to coach in. Because it's very tough to get everybody on the same page when you have different struggles. Right, you have. If I have a youth team, it's like okay, we're young. We're going to fight. We're going to push each other in practice. We're going to do this. We're going to run, jump. They'll run through a wall. When you have men that's getting paid, they know their paycheck depends on their performances and perhaps making more money. When you have a mixed bunch like this, it's like uh, we have to have a foundation, we have to have set plays, we have to have motion, we have to have something to keep going back to when we fall off track. When we fall off track, we have something to keep going back to. So, so what were a couple, like what were a couple things that you did to try to balance all those different dynamics within your team? So we had to kind of go, like we had to have a goal-oriented system. So it was like, um, for this month, we want this many wins. These games we have to win. Uh, I need specific players to do their job. So I, it wasn't, you know, sometimes you have players that are like, I can do everything. Well, I don't need you to do everything. I need to understand what you're going to do when you get in the game. So it was basically not so detailed. It's very tough to get detailed because, once again, guys are working, and they have shift work. So some guys are going to miss practice. You're going to have practices where you have six guys, some guys, seven guys. You're not going to have five on five. My last year, we probably had five on five maybe. I don't know, 10 times the whole season. And I'm playing. (laughs) (laughs) So it it was just one of those things where you have to build trust with the players. You know, you have to try your best to build trust with the guys so they can say, okay, we can't go over every play. We got to understand that he's going to look at film. He's going to scout. He's going to give us information. And we just got to execute, right? Mm -hmm. But it's Mm -hmm. once again, my my last year was very – Unique in the fact that we had so many guys that were, we had the oldest team in the league, right? So when you have the oldest team in the Rigo one league, that is very tough because you have injuries, you have sickness. And when you're old, you have different responsibilities. So you're not really, you know, focused at practice. So I would say just try your best to have one goal for the team and just like push that goal every day. Make sure you reiterate it every day. Guys, we want to go this much by Christmas we want to have this many wins right we want to have this many last year our two-point percentage was very bad we haven't hit closer shots not too many mid-range shots right we have to set better screens to get our players open right on defense we have to eliminate the board they can't have more than five boards a half you know we have to have short little goals so when halftime we'll be like okay this is what we can talk about you have to get better at that and the guys okay the whole season the whole preseason you said the same thing. We will not allow 10, board, 10 offensive boards, right? So when you hit those goals, you actually say, okay, we accomplished something. That's right? good. I mean, you have, 
you talked about, you know, we obviously want to have, you want to win every game, no doubt about yeah. it. But yeah, yeah. breaking yeah. down more specific goals, like control goals as far as, mm -hmm. you know, rebounding on the boards, giving guys specific jobs. So now yes. there's some accountability there. There's some trust and dependability from your teammates because everybody knows the expectations for a specific player. That's That's great advice because regardless of who or what level you're coaching at, you can see and apply all those different things. Last question. Advice to your younger self from a coaching perspective, from a coaching perspective. I know you got like all these different careers basically, yes. but what advice would you give to your younger self as far as transitioning back to start coaching again? I would say patience and communication. Better at being better communicating. My younger self, I, I made plays. And for me as a young coach, I, I learned early that when I made a play for somebody, I see the best of everything. You know? I said, oh, it's going to work because he's going to set the best screen. He's going to come off the screen the hardest. He's going to pull up and elevate the best. He's going to he's going to get shake off his defender. He's going to drive. And for me, I thought everything, like, it should be that way, right? Instead of understanding that it's going to be times in the game where you got a player that's going to be tired, and he's not going to tell you he's tired. And you're going to have a play that's, okay, you're going to have to come off this screen, and you're going to have to drive and kick. And he's not going to tell you, man, I'm too tired, I can't do it. <laughs> but he's going to say, you know, he's going to say, yes, I can do it, coach, I can do it, coach. And then when it's a bad turnover in the past, I have to read that. I have to read his, I have to pay attention to my players and say, okay, he's he's not even answering the, the question with a full sentence, he's so tired, you know? Or as a guy, I have to understand that my best defender may get tired also. Or he may, our injury may stop a player from reaching his full potential. So that would be one of the, that would be one of the main things I would do. I would have way more success if I would have paid more attention to detail, slow down a little bit, and watch my guys like body language during the game that's that's awesome and i think that's so true among you know i know myself and so many other coaches is when when you're running through a play or a season or whatever it is in your mind a lot of times you know we think of how everything's going to work and oftentimes we need to go in the reverse order and think you know what what are the things that can go wrong along the way yes yes do i have a solution to those problems before they happen and yes. if we can start to do that as coaches you know we can be more successful um, oh, coach i want to i want to commend you i want to recognize you as we as we finish our our podcast knowing you as a as a teammate as a friend um yeah i've, I've always respected your character uh you, you've always been selfless in everything that you do you've always been a team first guy as you talked about transitioning as a player like you wanted the best for everybody else. And then it was about you to see how you could, could fit in and help everybody else. You know, a true kind of model of like serving others to find your own success. Man, uh, you gonna make me cry, man. <laughs> I, 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 became, I became more emotional in my, my coaching years, man. Yeah, no, I hear you. And, and <laughs> since becoming a father, I'm sure too. I know oh, that's man. You know, the way with me. Um, <laughs> but but I think that that's helped you so much as far as having that mindset and being able to adapt to so many different situations. Like 
Mm-hmm. You know, you've, you've lived in all different parts around the world. You know, you're, you're based in Germany. But I think having some of those skills have allowed you to, to find success in different situations uh, through the different, you know, experiences that life throws at you. And, and I think that's a great uh, thing that we can all try to embody or a lot of those characteristics that, that you have. So thanks again for, for being on the podcast. I thoroughly enjoyed it. I know a lot of our, our coaches will uh, get after it today. Hey, before, before you go, I can't let you give me a compliment and not give you one back. Man. <laughs> you're, one of, you're one of my favorite teammates ever. This is not even no joke. You're one of my favorite teammates because you – you embody what you 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 were about what you're saying. You know, you you was always honest. You was honest as you could possibly be. You was always trying to push guys to be better, right? Even in practice, no matter what, we had we could have a terrible game. You was always trying to focus. I remember we had times in the car. We sit in the car trying to figure out what's going on. You know, so uh, I appreciate you, man. I appreciate you. You're a great guy. You're awesome, and. You're going to do big things. I, I watch you. If I had anybody going to the States, I'd be like, hey, man, check out Steve Kramer. Check out, <laughs> check out Kramer. He's going to get you right because you're one of those people that you can say he's a good person. He's going to always put his best foot forward. I so appreciate, I appreciate you, man. I appreciate, I appreciate that. Thank you very much. Thank you very no much. Problem. Thanks, Coach. Thank you for listening to the Coach's Edge podcast. Your feedback is appreciated. And if you could share this with one other coach, we think may find it beneficial and obviously a rating and a review would go a really long way. Thanks again and get after today.